Okay, hi everybody. This is another episode of On Purpose, and I can't tell if Heidi's here because suddenly everything got real quiet. Heidi, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, outstanding. Can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> so, what, 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 it's good to talk to you. How are you? I'm I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I oh, oh, all told. I worry about your um, your own uh, self care. To use a phrase that's overused, um, but like <laughs> literally every time I'm on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, you're helping someone either with an Instagram live or you're on the radio or mostly it's radio, but like, um, I'm glad you're doing that. Cause I think the more people who get guidance, um, and ideas from you, the better the world will be. I also like, just as your friend think like, man, how's he doing though? How, like, how are you doing? That has to be a kind of exhausting process to answer the same questions over and over and, <laughs> and, and about a story that, you know, and it, and a virus that's, changing you know by the hour well i i'm i'm relieved not and this is the truth i'm relieved not to have to be um an expert on the virus you know like i'm I'm, to to be to to know something about like um how families operate and emotional well-being this is a wheelhouse i can operate in although it's very odd because this is you know I, i we might have touched on this before but I was giving advice at the beginning of this that I thought was ironclad right out of the book. You know, like this is how this is how you manage this pending pandemic, as if I had any idea how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we, my pandemic we, manual says, <laughs> <laughs> right, that I that I wrote in 1919, you know, like right. after the last one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, screen time um, wasn't so much of an issue that time, was it? No, right. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, it's it's it might be interesting to muse for a second about what was the issue. Was it like, you know, get away from the uh, three foot tall radio? What um, <laughs> what what, <would> I, <laughs> what were parents frustrated with their kids about when they were home in 1918? I wonder. I don't know. I will say, though, and here I am not letting you answer the question I just asked, which we'll get to in one second. But um, I'm finding, I don't know if comfort is the right word, but I find myself drawn to history a lot in the last few weeks and months, just as like, I guess, evidence that you do survive this kind of stuff. Um, and I, I mean, when I say you, I mean humanity. Of course, not mm-hmm. everyone does physically survive it. Many, many, many thousands of people are dying. Right. And families are being ripped apart and that stuff will never be made whole. But we do, like, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for people to talk to, interview, read about who nonetheless, you know, who, who lived through terrible, terrible things and nonetheless did experience in their life joy, love, um, uh, you know, innocent, mm-hmm. sort of small but really meaningful memories. Um, and, you know, Michael was interviewing a director last night for a story. And and after he got off the phone, we were talking about the interview. And he said this, this guy who's in his 70s... Um, said to Michael, I'm just worried, sick about my grandkids. I just, I just feel really pessimistic about the world that they're 
about to grow up in. And, yeah. and his grandkids were like about my kids' ages. So I think the oldest was 13. And yeah. um, I have that too. And when, when June and I take walks, she, you know, she has even said like, what if, um, what if like the only normal part of my life is over? Like, what if, you know, oh. I had 14 years of normal and then the rest of life is not normal. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I, I worry about that too. And, um, and I think that maybe looking to history and like, I had interviewed that woman who's 98 a, a few weeks ago who lived through polio, the great depression, oh, right. civil rights. Yes. I mean, all of it. Um, at one point lived in a six room apartment with 19 people, like never got to live with her parents because her dad was off trying to find work and her mom was a live-in housekeeper and couldn't have her daughter live with her. I mean, it just was like her life was. That was an amazing story. Thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. She was amazing. Um, But like she was still happy. And when she talked about her childhood, she had all these really happy memories to look back on. And, and I guess, I'm searching for stuff like that just as like a little bit of guidance that like, okay, we can, you know, we can go through really dark, hard stuff and it doesn't cancel out all the light for the whole time we're alive. Um, There's still going to be flashes of it. And that doesn't sound very optimistic, but I'm (laughs) honestly not very optimistic right now. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of about the best I can do, but I'm finding, um, history to bring me that more so than like people right now who I might otherwise look to as, you know, sort of spiritual guides or, you know, just even somebody like Cheryl Strait or someone who, you know, who I, who I love. Um, yeah. I'm not discounting anybody's, you know, value in this moment, their words or their actions or anything, but, but I don't know. I think some kind of proof that like you can go through awful stuff over and over and over in your life and, and life can be one way and then overnight be a totally different way. And like you still get to feel joy and know what it feels like to have someone be kind to you and, and fall deeply in love. And like that stuff could still happen for my kids, I guess. Yes. And Yes. Yeah. No, um, I, I think you bring up like a really important point. And it, the, the idea, Heidi, that you look to history. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking like, wow, that feels familiar. And I am thinking about, there was a moment a couple of weeks ago, and I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll remember this, where Dr. Fauci in the brief couple of seconds where he actually was able to commandeer a microphone, yeah. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he, he, he alluded to this idea and it, w- it was fleeting. And, and I'm not sure the degree to which it was um, fully uh, thought through or, or whether this was just a moment of caution. He was suggesting, like, our way of life is going to have to change significantly. We may never shake hands again. You oh, know? right. Um, I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there was something about that, you know, that I found jarring, you know, like, and, um, and one of my best friends um, is a, a hugger. He, he mm-hmm. like, you know, every time. I see him. He he hugs me. He he'll hold on for a long time and laugh the whole time. It's just great. Um, and he's been like lamenting the idea, like, am I going to be able to hug people again? You know, like, will yeah. people accept that from me? Yeah. And um, and so I found myself looking toward, um, you know, uh, nineteen nineteen, and you know, like, you know, why? 
after that pandemic, were we shaking hands? And there was yeah. a story I found about that. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it turns out like, okay, yes, yeah, at, at some point, and it was written by um, a psychiatrist, which it's so funny to me. I think a hundred years ago, my profession, psychiatry, I don't know that we had anything differentiating anything else because <laughs> I couldn't, it seemed like it could have been written by a life coach or a social worker yeah. or Daryl Strade. <laughs> Radio host. <laughs> right. Yeah. There, and there was language in there that, that, that was like kind of oddly, quaintly, you know, seemed a hundred years old. So it was kind of it cracked me up a little bit. Um, but it, it kind of suggested this one notion that we kind of tend to and I don't love the word regression, but we regress to the mean. In other words, like over time, things become normal again because that's how we humans operate. Like we, we like the center of the bell-shaped curve. We're not much for lingering in the crisis of the edges mm. of it very okay. much, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so <laughs> that idea, oddly, I found hopeful, like, you know, because... Um, I, I think what we're doing now is super important. I'm, I'm with you. I'm having a, such a hard time finding optimism. And so I, I find myself looking to people who are kind of the gurus out there who are typically just optimistic, right? You know, mm -hmm. maybe even despite anything that's happening or what's going, what you're reading in headlines, you know, it's like, you know, uh, we're all in this together. We're going to make, th make it through this together. And there's part of me that's super skeptical of that language and feels like mm, there's people who are already not making it through this. So yeah. that's not true. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. But, but, um, the idea that you're, I, I like your word, you know, humanity, like humanity can make it through. And mm -hmm. I, and I think, um, I think part of our job as a, as a generation is, to offer hope to the generation that's coming and to and knowing a lot of kids in June's generation, for example, you know, like I find myself way too often suggesting in kind of no uncertain terms, like we kind of mess things up here and maybe yeah. our parents did too. So, um, here you go. And, um, I think you guys are really good at, <laughs> and really yeah. good people, really enterprising and, and driven. And so, I think you guys can do this, can take can fix everything we messed up here. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think that's a fair, that, that's not giving them hope, right? Um, a lot of kids have suggested to me exactly what June suggested to you. Like, what does my future look like? And more often than not, I hear like, I, I'm definitely not going to bring kids into this world because right. look at what it is already. You know, like, um, right. you know, imagine what it would be like for my kids. And so, you know, I think we have to do some, some work bringing some degree of hope to them. And I think it's particularly tricky right now. I think it's also particularly tricky for that age group where, you know, you're still in high school or maybe even middle school and you're, you're contemplating all this stuff and you're feeling the effects of all this stuff. And there's not much you can do, right? You can't vote. You can't get a job. I mean, even if you could get a part-time retail job before, you probably can't now. Right. You don't know if you're going to be able to go to college. You don't know if you do somehow scrounge up the resources to get to college, if you'll have a job at the end of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, it does feel like all that stuff that we did wrong combined with 
some stuff that's just really shitty luck, a global pandemic, um, which could have been mitigated and handled right. better from the beginning, of course. Most, but mostly e- shitty luck, right? But not entirely. But exactly. Um, right. But uh, like all of that, I mean, you know, that's that's the reality that they're stuck with. And, and we can acknowledge that and, and even apologize if we want to. But um, say like, okay, you guys are going to do it better, but it's like, well, okay, right now I'm 14. So I can't really do anything better right now. Yeah. I can't, what, what am I going to do? I can't even go to school. You know? right. I can't leave the house. I can't leave the house. Um, I got four more years before I can vote, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So it's just, it feels helpless and I don't have a lot of, I, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear what you're saying um, to, to parents um, I don't have a lot of inclination or appetite for saying it'll all be fine. I, it might just be the way, it might just be who my kids are and what I know works with yep. them and what doesn't, um, yep. they don't really want to be sort of lied to, um, or, you know, have stuff glossed over and then they can go back to baking or whatever. Like they want to, they want to hang in there and, and, and get what I think is the truth. Um, I think they do. I mean, that's all they've ever known. So I guess they don't have any choice. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's how they like it. No, I don't actually know if that's how they like it. No, knowing their parents, they're not, you're not, you guys are not going to shade the truth just, just for their comfort. And your kids are discerning enough. They know, right. I mean, mean, I'm not, "Mm, you're not being straight with me, you know, like, but I'm also not like when we're on walks and, and big fears and anxieties come up, I just, I just don't have it in me to be like, I really think it's going to turn out fine. Um, I know it, I know it feels hard now, but wait till July. It'll all be fine. Oh, you're going back to school in the fall. Come on. Oh my God. College is four years away. You are fine. Like I don't have it in me to say that stuff. A, cause I don't believe it. And B, I don't even know if it's really what they need, but I'm curious to get your take on that. Right. So, okay. So, um, where, and this is so unfair, Heidi, I, like, I feel a little apprehensive about telling you what my take is because again, like my hope almost always comes from talking to somebody who's 16, you know? And so, Mm. um, so when I am talking to kids now, or now, right now I'm talking to kids who are wiped out They're Um, they, they have no, juice. They're in their rooms. The, the shades are drawn. They're, they're, um, anxious and they're, uh, irritable and just agitated and aggravated and their parents are bugging him. And, um, and yet, uh, what a lot of kids say, uh, I worked, I worked with a kid the other day who said, um, you know, I am having a hard time being excited about anything because like I wanted to go to Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza is not going to happen. I wanted mm-hmm. to, I was looking forward to next year because, uh, he's an athlete and you know, like next year, maybe I'll have a season because I didn't this year, but yeah. I don't know. So all I can do is kind of act as if. And so he, he said when he feels hopeless, he thinks he uses the word yet. Like I, I mm. had the word yet at the back of every, <laughs> at the back of every sentence, like, you know, no, we're not, we're not out there yet. We're not, I, I don't get to, I don't get to ask that girl out yet. You know, like everything has a yet to it. Um, and he says like, I might be fooling myself. Like, you know, because I know that, and kids do seem to know like that the world will feel different in 
two or three or six or 18 months or whenever it is that we're able to dip our toe back in the water, right? Yeah. Um, and they, they know. They know their world is going to feel different. They know that um, I'm working with a bunch of kids who follow the chronicle of higher education. Wow. And, I, and I mean like 15 and 16 and 17-year-olds. This is a trend among kids. So uh, this is about colleges and universities and how, what their plans are. Um, and kids are tracking this from young ages, trying to, wow. trying to get a beat on, yeah. is college a possibility for me? What will that look like? A kid yeah. told me yesterday, like, Stanford might do uh, classes intense on quads. Do, do you think that might work? You know, like they're, they're grasping at everything that might feel hopeful. So you can feel that they want things to happen. They mm -hmm. want good things to happen. And, and yet they feel powerless to make them happen. All they yeah. can do is kind of like research on a screen, you know, like, and they're really clear, like my conduit to the outside world is the thing my parents are most upset with me about. Like my right. only way to be in, <laughs> right. to be in touch with anything outside of this drab, dry house is this screen and they want to limit that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my, my feeling about screens is shifting actually rather quickly to, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, nine hours Fine. a day sounds Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I got an email pitch the other day. Um, research shows screen time is up 500%. What parents should do about it? And I was like, mm, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, what do you right. want? Oh, exactly. But, no, uh, if, your, if your kid is talking to their friends and playing video games and researching, you know, and they are, they're researching the world as they go. And Zooming yeah. with their damn girl grandparents i mean it's just like yeah it's up 500 percent for me too chap like <laughs> yeah. yeah go ahead and track your you can only take track so many walks service. exactly exactly so anyway so sorry. you know no no so so the point the point i guess is you know like um it is interesting to hear what kids are hopeful for but what what's most interesting to me is they still want to be you know what i mean yeah. like they're not yeah so you can you can tell they haven't really given up, even though there's a lot of pessimism, like, you know, about human nature in general, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure people on the whole are good. You know, I'm hearing that mm. this week, like, you know, with, uh, with the story about this man, the, this African-American man who was killed in cold blood for taking a jog, you know, like, yeah. uh, I, I'm having trouble holding on to the case that everything's really okay. You know, mm -hmm. like, um, because, the pandemic might not be anybody's fault, but a guy who ate a bat or whatever. Uh, but right. but the, <laughs> if, if that's how it, that, that's how it went, but uh, but that was somebody's fault, you know. And um, if we're making an argument, and this is a debate I'm having with a number of kids, you know, that people are good. What about that? You know, like right. how do, how do I really uh, fit that into that construct? It doesn't seem to fit. Right. Right. You know what this is all making me wonder? I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to articulate this in real time without some thoughts. So Scott can edit it out if it doesn't make any sense. But I'm thinking about how, like, my generation, and I think this includes you and Julie, too, like, we were sort of painted as, like, and, and rightly so in a lot of, in a lot of aspects, that the first wave of parents who had to like do everything perfect, right? Like we bought bottle warmers and yes. bodies to breastfeed on instead of just like propping your kid <laughs> up on a pillow and like 
a diaper genie. And like you started being like marketed to and falling for the marketing, like from in utero on. And you're like, you know, researching preschools for like six years before you even get pregnant and getting on waiting lists for, you know, like stuff that our parents were just like preschool. I don't know. Do you, is preschool even, you know, necessary? Like, and you know, right. we're like looking at rankings and anyway, so like <laughs> the, this, this way of parenting felt new in a hundred different ways. And, and the, the goal was to do it exactly right. You know, there was a, yes. an exact way, exact right way to do it. And your goal was to achieve that and have the right tools and things like material things and also yep. knowledge and the right books. And, um, and so that you would lay this perfect, you know, hopefully, you know, hassle-free path for your child to go yep. forth into the world. Right. And that for was kind sure. of a new way of parenting. Yep. Um, compared Active, to like parents who get, a verb. Right. Exactly. Parenting became a verb and that was not really a thing certainly not the majority of parents thing um in say you know the 70s 60s and prior oh Um, god no Right. right so now i wonder like this is laying bare the fallacy of all that obviously right because something totally unexpected can come over and tip all your best intentions out of the apple cart or whatever metaphor you want to use. But I also wonder if it's showing us how little that really like worked for our kids. Like, cause I, I, I feel like what we're seeing is the resilience of kids coming through during like a time when everything's shitty and, yeah. and we're not controlling any of it for them. Um, and they're like, looking for hope and firing up their laptops and doing their e-learning anyway and like finding ways to stay connected with friends and like I wonder if like all along whether they had it on a conscious level to do this or not they've been sort of like rolling their eyes at the like our need to sort of like smooth every wrinkle and I mean name the 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 label right there's like snowplow parenting or helicopter parenting or all the things yep yep Um, and then here we are, like, like you can't snowplow parent a pandemic away. Um, and right. A, they probably haven't needed us to be doing that all along. And B, I wonder if they've been laughing at us thinking we have been doing it all along. Do you know what I'm saying? Did that make any sense? Um, it make, Not only does it make sense, um, I, I think I can verify that you're right <laughs> um, because – Kids will talk about this all the time, like, you know, how ridiculous this perfectionistic type of parenting is. And, um, and and they see it and they'll call their parents out on it. You know, back when there was a time when people would come into the office for therapy, families would. And um, when not that long ago and when yeah. it would happen, um, you kids would call their parents out and say, you know what, I'm not going to be perfect. I don't know where you got that idea um, and, and they're very articulate about it, but you know, I think I'm pretty good. I'm unique. Uh, but whatever template you were working on that I was supposed to follow, um, uh, I think I've got something that's going to work better and yeah. suits me better. And, you know, um, and so that's one, that's one thing I love about working with kids is they kind of, um, get pretty quickly, like, 
ooh, you're asking me to be someone I'm not. So they have yeah. some sense of like who they are, this idea of identity and like, you know, ooh, that's, that's toxic. Like I see that happening to my friends. I see that happening to people around me and that doesn't work out very well. So I'm going to, I'm going to go this other way and you're probably going to take stuff away from me. Um, I get it. I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> We're probably going to yeah. fight about it. Right. Um, but, <laughs> but, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to play by those rules. And, um, and parents, uh, a lot of us, our inclination is to like clamp down and try to control that instead of honoring that there's some truth to that. And, you know, I think too often we read that as, or I see parents, I'll say, read that as disrespectful. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're not doing what I'm telling you to do or you're not being the way I'm telling you to be. And kids are saying, well, no, I actually have a lot of respect for you. Um, but no, I'm not going to be who you tell me to be, you know, well, and, and I'd like a little in return, maybe. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, I think that maybe one of the things that happens with, you know, being marketed to and sort of socialized and taught that you can, you know, be the perfect parent and parent perfectly and raise the perfect kid is that like, I mean, there's so much, there's such a implication of control there. And like, you think that you can then control this person that you've brought into the world. And <laughs> right. I wonder if that's, I mean, cause you and I talked before we started recording about some of the um, really kind of terrifying and violent stuff that's happening in families who are, you know, at a breaking point financially yeah. often and all, all, for all sorts of reasons, but parents just really um, losing it and, and even physically on their kids over kind of minor stuff. And I wonder if uh, some element of it is feeling like, you know, I can't, there's so much I can't control in my life right now. And now I can't even control my kid. And, um, it's like, well, you, I don't think you were ever supposed to be able to control your kid. That's just, I I just don't believe in that. Um, but I, but I don't blame people for being given that impression that that it, that was their job as a parent it's just terrifying maybe when you realize you can't well when you give the context when i think about like when when uh, george was little you know and i think that's when kind of that perfectionistic parenting and this is how you're supposed to do it um kind of began and then kind of went all the way through when you were raising will um that um yeah i think we do get this idea in our heads that um, yeah, there's a lane our kids are supposed to stay in and, um, mm-hmm. and our job is to keep them in that lane. And if they stray from that lane, um, that's, that, that's dangerous to them. Right. So we're, we're, right. This, is, this is keeping them safe and giving them a future where they can be independent and, um, and be able to take care of themselves and they're competent in their lives. Um, but I, I think, um, our over-involvement in all of that and our lack of faith that they can find their way by and large on their own is, um, is a problem. And, um, and there is, I think, you know, I'm thinking about there's, there's a book that was around when George was little and the name of it escapes me, but the, the suggestion was almost possession of children. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, like, <laughs> so, you know, like, so this is your, your person who, you know, and you're supposed to, you know, it's kind of like, um, the, 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 uh, a race with the, the an owner's manual to parenting. Yes, right. Exactly. An owner's yeah. manual. And if you're doing it right, 
your kid crosses the Princeton finish line with uh, the marketing degree uh, and gets the, the gets the Wall Street job. It was a whatever great it is. ROI there. Yes, exactly. In your child. Right. It's so gross. I'm trying not to throw up. Go on. I know it's so gross, but I think that's kind of that's been part of the the line. And a lot, oftentimes, like a referral to me is about like. They're not doing it right. They're not doing yeah. like like the manual. Like the ma- I'm bringing them back to the manufacturer <laughs> because the <laughs> clearly something's defective here. Let me know when it's fixed. You know, <laughs> is this thing under warranty? My God, <laughs> I'll take it straight in. Do I call the OBGYN? Do I blame the pediatrician? <laughs> Who fucked up my kid along the way? I didn't. God, Certainly it wasn't I me. Didn't. I've been following the book the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> we were listening to Mozart in utero. This can't be happening. <laughs> Baby, what was it called? Baby Einstein? Yes. With the, uh, yeah, classical music. I, yeah. I did that. I totally did that. I'm sure we did that. Well, actually, <laughs> I think we did uh, baby Mandy Mandy Patinkin, if I if I remember right. George was very exposed to Mandy Patinkin's voice early, early on, and that's why he's successful now. And Clearly. just because of Julie and I. <laughs> right. Yep. Good job. Thank you so much. Good job. <laughs> yeah. And I'll I'll let George know we did a good job too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might not be aware of that. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think maybe we're, I kind of like where we are here because if, <laughs> it if was so linear. A, uh, yeah, because it makes so much sense <laughs> in, in the wake of a pandemic that this is what we're talking right. about. Uh-huh. Um, but maybe this is an opportunity. Let me see if I can bend this, okay. Heidi, just for a second I, to our. You just to the went willow. to a, like full on Rokan voice. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the pitch dropped two levels. Wow. <laughs> Ooh, that's gonna go to my head a little bit. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give that just a second to, to, to ferment in the air. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so I'm wondering whether if parents can take this opportunity, where you know you've got. Months on end, I think, you know, probably a good four, um, at least, maybe more, where mm-hmm. you have a lot of access to your kids to kind of reset and, um, and, and let them have some sway, some voice, and to, um, I don't know, maybe to hear them out a little bit about where they want their lives to go. And what I, what I find parents do too often is short-circuit their kids' pessimism. Mm. <laughs> that sounds so weird, but I'm serious about that. You know, like, because we don't want our kids to feel sad or to suffer or to, you know, lament their future. And yet there's some wisdom in what they have to say about it. And I think in order to find optimism right now, you might have to navigate through some pessimism. I'm thinking about you and I in the last 45 minutes of our lives, right? I mean, I think we started this phone call not feeling great. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. um, and I think maybe you have to state that in order to find something that feels even a little hopeful. Um, and for kids, I can just say, like, you know, having the luxury of spending an hour week after week with with a lot of kids, um, they're pretty good at at finding some vein of silver lining. But they need to express, like, you know, what isn't working sometimes, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. um, 
and usually there's a lot of wisdom to it. Yeah. And so I, I guess what I, if I encourage anything in parents, it's like, yeah, give that some sway. Don't try to short circuit that process because it kind of takes you out of it and yeah. suggests like, mm, yeah, I can't that this negativity I can't take. And I need you to be more positive. And then you've got a child who is either cutting you out entirely or play acting for your benefit, neither of which does anything for the child, you know? Right. Oh my yeah. God. That's such a good point. Yeah. Well, what you're saying is making me think of Katie Hurley's advice too. And I quoted her in a column a couple weeks ago, but, um, she said, you know, parents worry so much about like, what am I raising? Like, what kind of kid am I raising? And if you just um, kind of empathize with them and even commiserate a little bit or just listen, you know, if you don't, as you say, short circuit that pessimism or short circuit, whatever they're feeling or complaining yep. about or whatever. Um, she's like, what you raise is a kid who knows what it feels like to be understood. Yeah. And what a gift to the world that is. Because yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. hopefully they go out and do that for their own people, right? Their own right. partners and friends and coworkers and children and, um, you know, whoever is in their community. But, um, like, I just think, you know, people who feel misunderstood or unheard or invisible um, are, you know, legion. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, that's, it would be great to do less of that. Right. <laughs> it would be great right, to true. put less of that into the world. So yeah. I think that can be um, kind of nice permission to give yourself as a parent too, to like, you don't have to solve their problems. You don't have to talk them out of what they're feeling. You can do the opposite. You can say like, oh my God, it's so hard. You're right. Um, Ooh, you yes. know, yeah, and I'm thinking about that column that you uh, that you wrote and you and, and cited Katie, um, who is so wise and um, love her. And and maybe that's a, yeah, me too. And um, uh, by the way, she does this thing with her kids where she does like a story time every day. Have you seen this? No. <laughs> it, it's it's the greatest thing. Um, literally, they'll read a children's story and they interrupt each other, and it's just. It, it just makes you happy for a little while. So Katie Hurley, follow her on Facebook. She's awesome. Um, yes. But, you know, like that idea, maybe, maybe the um, if you need a North Star or some guide during this time in parenting, it might just be that. I love that idea of just like um, just make sure your kid feels understood, like listen mm -hmm. well enough to to the point where you feel like I think I get it. You know, I think yeah. I could reiterate that under oath. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's a that's a pretty good um, that's pretty good therapy, you know, because oftentimes you're right that kids not only do they rarely need their problems to be solved by you, rarely if ever, but there is a set of problems going on right now you can't solve, right? right? You can't say like, oh, let's get you back into school next week because this is frustrating, you know? Right. I'll call um, the camp director; they'll open it for you. It'll be fine. No worries. Yeah, yeah. I got it covered. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I like that. I like that permission of just like, if you understand and they know you understand that that's big, that's big for kids that carries them a long way. And, um, and that probably will feel way better to you. And just as a therapist working with families right now, it'll probably keep your family way better regulated emotionally for this weird haul than anything else will. 
anything else that I can think of. Hmm. Certainly like limiting screen time or something. Don't yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all, we're on that, we're on that page together. Um, okay. Well, I, I think we did an okay job. I'm going to give us a little credit. Okay. Um, not, nothing linear happened here. B, I would argue. B plus. Right. B plus. Um, I wouldn't try to outline this particular podcast um, <laughs> or any 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 of the right, podcasts right any, <laughs> although if anybody's willing to try please send it to <laughs> please send it to Heidi because uh, I think she might be able to publish it in a newspaper to be so fun to see <laughs> yeah I still work there for now we'll see right. how long that lasts well, oh, we need man. we need Heidi Stevens in, and your words in the world, regardless. Well, thank you. Yes, I'll, uh, um, I'll start a blog if I need to. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> all, we will be absolutely subscribing to your blog with a with a six hundred dollar monthly fee. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just need a what do you call it a pet, Patreon? What's that thing? Oh right. <laughs> I should probably figure out how to say that before I get indefinitely furloughed. <laughs> Seems important. How do you sign up for unemployment, and how do you pronounce that word that starts the P, where people pay you to write stuff? What? Let's not put that out in the universe okay. at this point. <laughs> Did you just short circuit my pessimism? Oh, I completely hear you, Heidi. Um, I get there's some anxiety around that. Uh, I'm going to try to reflect that after we finish the podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, in the meantime, this is on purpose. I think we're done here. Yes. I think we're done. Yeah. I think we're done. Uh, thank you for listening. Be safe. Um, Heidi, good to talk to you. You too, John. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Yes, I think so. Excellent. All right. Bye. Bye.